When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. My name is Jeff Shade. And as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear it as always. Hope our listeners are doing well today too. And once again, I want to remind people that our show is a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast and Google Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. And we have an entire library of shows there, well over a hundred with some interesting titles too. So you can pick and choose or listen to them all at once, but they are out there as a podcast. And in addition to that, you can always go to madronafinancial.com where the shows are archived there. On today's show, Brian, I want to talk about some aspects of financial planning. That's what we're here for is to talk about financial planning. And basically, I want to start with the five goals of financial planning. What are those? Yeah, I kind of call them the building blocks of financial planning. And these aren't uh, investment types. We'll talk about them uh, another time. But but basically, uh, the first thing that we have to solve for is cash flow in retirement. So when we're working, obviously, uh, we have cash flow from our job and, and so forth. But when we're retired, we're not working anymore. We have to provide for cash flow in retirement. The second area is investment allocation. You've got money to invest in, in your uh, retirement accounts or, or non-retirement accounts. Where are you going to allocate that? Uh, there's so many different areas that we'll be talking about there. The third area, which I think is kind of a separate area from just straight investment allocation, is real estate. Real estate is a huge piece of many people's portfolios, whether it's your investment real estate or your own real estate, your your house, your second home, whatever that may be. The fourth area we have to address is the biggest expense we have, income taxes. So having a proper income tax plan and, and providing for a good result there. And finally, since we're all mortal, we're going to pass away someday. We have our legacy and estate plan as part of it. So to reiterate, cash flow, investment allocation, real estate, income tax planning, and legacy planning. Okay, so first is cash flow. Very important there. How do you figure out what your cash flow should be? Yeah, so part of the financial planning process should include, obviously, figuring out your cash flow. And, and it's best to start now, <laughs> you know, rather than wait until, okay, I retired. I'm retiring tomorrow. I think I'll start planning for my cash flow in retirement. Well, one day isn't a lot of time to put that plan together to make it work. So you might want to be thinking about this before you retire. And, and the best time to start financial planning is today. It's not tomorrow and it's not yesterday because that day has passed. It's today. So if today you're starting to look at your cash flow retirement, you're going, okay, what do I know is coming in every month? We'll call it mailbox money, money I didn't have last month. Well, we know we have Social Security. We know if you have a pension, you're one of the lucky folks that have a pension, you can have that coming in. Maybe you purchased a fixed index annuity. And the annuity is going to pay you monthly cash flow for life. Maybe you purchased a life insurance policy, a, a permanent life insurance policy, such as a fixed index universal life, and that's paying you in your retirement years. 
then you might also have rentals, real estate that's paying you monthly. So that's another area where you can have monthly checks. You might have an installment contract, interest earned maybe from bonds or something of that nature, or dividend paying stocks. So these are all areas, common areas where we might be finding cash flow in retirement outside of working. And I would imagine too that the cash flow that you need highly depends upon what your expenses are. Is that how you do it? Do you do the cash flow first or do you do the expenses first? And and then design the cash flow to fit the expenses. Yeah, you'll do them in unison. And and most people will, will do that e- equation, or a lot of people will, and they'll go, huh, my cash flow coming in is not as great as my outflow. Okay, that's don't, don't panic. That's normal because I haven't talked about taking money out of principal. So if you have a, you know, a big investment account, it is okay to use some of the principal to fund your retirement because it's, there's no rule that says, let's say you have $2 million in your IRA accounts. There's no rule that says you have to leave $2 million to your kids when you pass away. You know, you can get the income from them and maybe that's, again, not as, not enough. Or the growth, you know, you might say, well, I got $2 million, but if it can grow at 4% a year, that's another $80,000. But what some people do is they go, well, I can't spend my principal. It was two million. Now it's two million eighty thousand because it went up four percent. Now I can't spend the two million eighty. And I would say, well, <laughs> at least spend that. You could spend the eighty that it went up. You know, on average, whatever that case may be. But it's funny, people. Once it becomes principal, they're no, I'm not touching that either. I'm going to live like a pauper. I'm like, okay, your kids are going to not live like paupers. <laughs> they're going to they're going to live high in the hog because you live like a pauper. So that's the first of the five goals there, which is cash flow. Let's jump to the second one right now, which is investment allocation. Yeah, I'll ask people, where's your money invested? They'll say in in Vanguard. I'm like, well, that doesn't tell me much because Vanguard has uh, ultra short-term bond funds. They have foreign stocks. They have real estate funds. They have hundreds of different areas that you could be invested in. You know, that the allocation could be in cash. It could be in, in, again, in equities and sectors, U.S., foreign, large, small. Where you're going to put your money is going to have a great impact on on how you live your life financially because, uh, obviously, bonds are going to react differently than stocks, et cetera. So asset allocation and, and maybe allocating outside of stocks and bonds. You could be allocating, again, to life insurance, to annuities, to passive real estate. There's uh, lots of different areas you could be allocating your investments. So having a plan for that, unfortunately, again, most people I talk to, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, it just is, most people I talk to don't really have a sense of where their money is, if it's at Fidelity or Schwab or Vanguard or wherever. They know it's invested in something, but they really don't have too much of an idea what that is. So that's where investment allocation is, is really important. Does investment allocation change as you get older? What I mean by that is, you know, do you have a lot in one particular sector when you're 50 versus 60? Uh, it's not so much the different sectors. The sectors, that's a good question because, you know, we do rotate sectors, but we would rotate them for everybody. If I think money's going into infrastructure and clean energy and semiconductors or whatever it is, I'd probably want to have my money there. My new analogy for that is Wayne Gretzky used to say, I, I don't skate to where the puck is. I skate to where it's going. Right. And so in investments, uh, you want to invest uh, where you think the markets are going, not where they were. And so I think that's a really important, uh, great analogy, especially if you're a hockey fan. But yeah, the more, more of the age thing is you might change your risk tolerance. So yeah, yeah. where the areas of investment, but the sector analysis, if, a, if you like a sector, you like a sector, whether you're conservative or aggressive. Okay, so that's the investment allocation. We're talking about the five goals here in your financial plans. The next one is going to be real estate. That's a broad category, or is it a broad category? 
Well, there are specific areas. There's passive real estate, active real estate. So active, you're, you're the landlord. If you have rentals and you're getting tired of that, obviously you can do a Delaware Statutory Trust or, or a 1031 exchange into other real estate. But a lot of this discussion has to do with people come to me and say, yeah, I, I want to buy a second home or whatever. And, and that's a big discussion because as well, if you buy the second home, that's where you're going to go. Are you okay with that? You're not going to go somewhere else because you're going to feel weird about not going to the place that you own. They're going, you know, I'm going to get tired of this particular one. Maybe I shouldn't buy that. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should do an Airbnb when you want to go and you can choose where you want to go and change. If you like to change different places, probably don't need to buy a second, third home if you like to explore lots of different areas. So these discussions on real estate and a lot of people, you know, I have to downsize. And why is that? Oh, because my house is too big. I'm like, okay, you like where you live? I love where I live. It's close to everything, all my friends and everything, but I, but I don't use the whole house. I'm like, so? <laughs> can you afford it? Well, yeah, I can afford it. And, and even if you sell, you're going to downsize. You're going to pay all these fees and the moving costs. You're going to go someplace that's half as big and you're going to put a hundred grand in the bank. Well, so what? What's the point of that? So having these discussions and really getting to the, you know, giving people even permission to stay in a house and my tongue in cheek thing, I say, well, how many bedrooms? It has five bedrooms. I only use two of them. Close three of the doors. It's okay. You don't have to use your whole house <laughs> if you love where you live and it's where you want to be. Yes, it's where I want to be. I love that place. Well, then don't sell it. You know, so real estate uh, discussions can be really important, whether they're personal or investment. In the past few years, we've seen some great gains in uh, real estate and generally real estate does go up. Is there ever an occasion when real estate is not a good investment? Oh, everything can be a bad investment if it's not the right one, especially with real estate. Location, location, location. You can't change the location if it's not in the right place. You know, if, uh, if you had some commercial property in Dayton, Ohio, okay, you may go, I, that wasn't the best decision. I wish I'd bought in Bellevue way back when. Sure. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, you can't change location. You can't change, uh, change in usage or, or things that happen. So, uh, you know, that's one reason we diversify. And, you know, when we do it, for instance, somebody sells their investment real estate, we do a 1031 exchange into DST. We don't just pick one DST. Especially if they have a couple million dollar exchange, we'll have multiple DSTs of different kinds of properties. It's the diversification factor. We're talking about the five goals here of financial planning. We've covered cash flow, investment allocation, and real estate. Next one, Brian, taxes, I think one of the most important aspects of a financial plan. Yeah, certainly uh, it's not uh, news that income tax is a big area. But what is news for a lot of folks is maybe your CPA is really good at filling out the returns, but maybe they're not very knowledgeable or licensed to talk about investments. Most of them are not. And they're not going to know what you have, what you could get into, what's available. Your financial advisor may know those products and, and, and those kinds of things, but they can't give tax advice. So you got a problem here. The left hand's not talking to the right hand. And so with income tax planning, it's really important that it's not just, okay, here's how much you're going to pay in tax next year. Oh, great. What can I do about it? Um, well, I don't know. Up your 401k country, I'm already maxed out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know of anything else you can do. Well, I do. <laughs> I know lots of things we could do. You know, so it's, it's important to have somebody knowledgeable, not only again with income taxes and be licensed to talk about it, but also understand product and what's good and bad and, and, and with product and whether it makes sense or not. Uh, do some scenarios and, and have a plan for paying the least amount of income tax. I think it's our obligation as Americans to pay the least amount of income tax allowed by the law. You know, we're not supposed to pay more. I don't see, I don't even see any of the 
the politicians that say you need to everybody needs to raise you know pay their fair share i'm like well you're you're making tons of money i bet you're not sending in extra money because you feel nope. guilty about paying too little in tax i've never seen anybody do that so uh i guess it's my obligation and and certainly anybody listening your obligation not to overpay your income taxes well, with all due respect to our CPAs here at Bauer Evans CPAs, that's the role of a CPA is to look at what your tax return is and to fill it out properly and look behind. But financial planners can look ahead and possibly minimize your taxes. Next one on the list, uh, Brian, very important, is legacy and estate planning. Yeah, like I said, we're all mortal. And so um, although some of my clients are, I'm going to live forever. Yeah, I'm going to work forever. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> see how that works out. But uh, yeah, legacy and estate planning. And one of the interesting things I've been finding lately is that people come to me and they're, they're go, go, go. You know, they're going to make money, make money, make money. And then the next thing they say is, you know, and I'll say, why well, you, you got more money than you could spend in two lifetimes. You know that, right? And yeah, yeah, I've been really fortunate. And I don't want to leave too much of my kids. I'm like, okay. So your legacy plan is you're going to keep growing your, your money and not get off the hamster wheel. So you can leave more money behind to people you don't want to leave too much money behind to. Okay. What's your goal? Oh, yeah. That doesn't make sense, does it? No. So a lot of times I'll ask people, this, okay, think of yourself forward in life. What do you want that life to look like? But what do you want your kid's life to look like? Because it, it's not just about giving people money. I mean, a lot of not great stories come from people inheriting a lot of money who didn't earn it themselves and don't know how to take care of it. So what are ways we can leave money legacy without wrecking somebody's life? And it might be down payment on a house. It might be contributions to a fixed index universal life that they can have tax-free cash flow later. It might be paying for their college education or or funding a startup business, whatever it is. There are things that, that we can do for next generation without ruining their ambition along the way. We've been talking about the five goals of financial planning here with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. If you have at least $500,000 to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, contact Madrona Financial to get your complimentary, no-cost, no-obligation financial review. Call 844-MADRONA or you can request it online by going to madronafinancial.com. Time for a break, Brian. When we come back here on Growing Your Wealth, we'll be talking about five more areas of interest to our listeners. All that and more when our show continues after this. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the five goals of any investment. And Brian, you know, there's no perfect investment. We've talked about this, no perfect investment target. Every investment has one or more benefits and one or more detriments. So let's talk about the potential benefits, first of all. I mean, there's growth, security, cash flow, liquidity, and tax savings. But let's talk about growth in the beginning. Yeah, and, and I like this discussion because uh, a couple things I want to set up with first. The analogy I like for here is the tools, tools in your toolbox. So uh, is a hammer good or is a hammer bad? Well, that depends. I'm trying to cut a board. It's probably not going to be a real straight cut if I cut it with a hammer. <laughs> but if I want to pound a nail, it's a really good tool for that. So different investments are really good at different things and not good at other things. Uh, another uh, thing I wanted to mention, a little story. So this fellow, true story, this fellow came in and said, yeah, um, I'm looking for an investment that will get me at least 20% a year. I, I really want a high return, so really high growth. I said, okay. And I don't want to take a lot of risk because I'm worried about losing money. 
oh, you want it to be secure. Uh huh. And you know, I'm going to need cash flow someday. So I'd like it to cash flow. And in case I need the money, I want to be able to get out of it right away. So I need it to be liquid. I said, okay. Um, would you like it to be tax free too? And he says, well, yeah, you can do that. I said, no, <laughs> nobody can. There is no investment that grows, is secure from loss, offers cash flow, is fully liquid, and is tax-free. That doesn't exist. There is no perfect investment, as you said, and that's why I want to talk about this. So your question is about growth. Okay, well, we want our investments to grow. Everybody wants that. But again, if we want security, which we'll be talking about in a second, there's not a lot of investments that do both very well. Most investments Investments will do a couple of these areas at, at a minimum, and uh, many investments will do maybe two of them well, one or two of these attributes well, and one or two okay, and one of them not at all. And so that's that's generally what we're talking about. So for growth, we might look at things like the stock market. The stock market can grow. It can it's done very well historically. It is not secure, but it can grow. And so there's that's a kind of investment. You know, your own business it can grow. That is definitely not secure. It's definitely not liquid. Stock markets are liquid. So, you know, you're starting to get a sense for certain investments can do certain things well. But most of us at some point in our life, you know, to get anywhere, we got to have uh, a portion of our portfolio designed for growth. So, Brian, this fellow said that he wanted his investments to grow 20 percent. I mean, that's really optimistic. How much growth is realistic, would you say? Yeah, he wanted more than 20 percent. And I can't say what's realistic on here, but I can say that isn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're doing a plan and your expectation is that, well, what makes you think you're going to be the one that picks everything that's going to do so much better than everything else out there? The only areas where I would say that you're going to get that kind of thing is if you're very fortunate in what you happen to pick in your investments and you're not diversified and, you know, you have most of your eggs in a basket you think is going to do really well. Maybe your own business, uh, you know, certainly that, uh, the really high risk stuff. So generally, if you're looking at something and, and somebody is saying that to you, you're going to get over 20%, I would really check them out because I would never say that in my lifetime. It may happen one year, you know, where, you know, the market did really well. Great. You're up more than 20%. Super. I didn't make that happen. It was the market. It was a great market. But certainly there's a lot of investment people out there saying that they're going to get these unrealistic amounts. And if it were that easy, oh, and you can't lose any money. They're, they're, they're lying. I mean, they're, they're saying they're going to get these huge returns. It's, it's secure. If you need your money, you know, that is not accurate. If that were true, everybody would do it. Just remember, there's a lot of common sense here. If it were true, everybody would do it. When it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So, uh, Sorry, long answer to that question, but certainly that would not be somebody I would take on as a client if that was their expectation. We're talking about the five goals of investments here on Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Uh, That was growth. The second one here is going to be security, which is going to play into risk tolerance a little bit. Yeah, certainly, uh, especially as we age, uh, we want to increase the amount of our portfolio that is secure most of the time. So that's where we go from maybe an all-growth portfolio in your 40s. Maybe in your 50s and 60s, you're starting to add annuities, life insurance, venture into other areas of of markets that aren't as volatile, aren't as risky on the downside so that you can protect what you have. Because sometimes you get to a point where I'm going to have a great retirement as long as I don't screw it up. And so maybe I don't want 100% of my money in something that could go down a lot. Maybe I want to pull half of it out of that. 
and put it into something more secure. So that's that's where we start. Generally, that discussion starts with maybe a fixed index annuity for lifetime cash flow or or some other mix of more protected assets than just uh, going full bore in the markets. Being that age is a superpower, I would think that you can take more risk and have less security early on in life. But when you get older, you want more security. Is there ever a point in life where you want no risk whatsoever? Yeah, a lot of people do because they can't sleep. You know, I, I would generally like to see some risk in every portfolio, but until I put myself in their shoes, if, if they can't take it, then I don't want to put them in it. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, there may be somebody that says, I just can't risk anything. I, I, I don't want to lose a dollar. I, I, I lose my mind. I'm like, okay, I don't want you to lose your mind. So yeah, there are, there are situations where uh, somebody doesn't want any risk. You can get return without risk, but it's not going to be as big generally. Again, it is a personal situation. Your risk tolerance, that is something that you can determine with clients here at Madrona Financial. Next one is going to be the goal of cash flow with your investments. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. As uh, we talked about earlier, uh, cash flow can come from many different areas. Uh, when it comes to investments, some of the things that are better at cash flow than others are certainly real estate investments are often good for cash flow. Annuities, uh, fixed index, universal life policies can be good for cash flow once they're started. Better than, you know, than maybe uh, a technology stock fund. Uh, the d- dividends can be pretty low with those or even bonds these days, you know, maybe the the bond yields aren't very great on a lot of those areas. So having a mix of investments that provide cash flow is can be very important. Uh, again, you can take the growth out, I would say, you know, over time of your stock market portfolios too, to provide for your cash flow in retirement. It doesn't have to be in the form of a dividend. So what you're saying is cash flow and retirement, these are investments that will pay you something without you having to divest them. Yeah. And so uh, where I'm looking to provide more cash flow, again, uh, I'll start looking at real estate annuities, those kinds of things that maybe have a higher monthly check coming to you than what you're in now. And so we can start designing investment allocations to provide for more cash flow. Whereas, again, if you buy a bunch of large tech companies, they may not even pay a dividend. I mean, if you have all your money in Berkshire, Hathaway stock. It's been a great stock, but doesn't pay a dividend. So if you were relying on it for cash flow, good luck. (laughs) There isn't any. You'd have to sell some of it to provide for some of the growth. So that's growth, security, cash flow. We're talking about the five goals of your investments here on Growing Your Wealth. The next one, I think really, really important is going to be liquidity. Yeah, and that's an interesting topic because a lot of people can be, I need my investment to be fully liquid. I said, well, you know, the if everything you have is liquid, it, it may not be able to grow as much because most investments require time, good investments. And you think about real estate, real estate is not liquid, but is it a bad investment because it's not liquid? Well, not, not around the Puget Sound. It's been a pretty good investment generally. So you can have too much liquidity, I think, because a lot of people, because I'll ask them and they say, well, you got $2 million in your retirement account. Yeah. I would need it all to be liquid. I said, well, is there a situation you can think of where you're going to need $2 million all in, at once? Well, no, of course not. Well, why do you need it to be fully liquid all at once? Oh, right. So yeah, when you start thinking about it that way, you go, well, I, I'd like a portion of it to be liquid, of course. And gosh, even half, if it's half liquid and you can access a million, is is that enough? Well, of course it is. Okay. Now we can start talking about investments that aren't as liquid, but maybe have a really good uh, risk return profile with them to integrate into the financial plan. So things like cash, really, really liquid. You can get your hands on it. You can spend it today and other investments, not so liquid. So it sounds like there are degrees of liquidity with almost any investment. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly everything has different liquidity. Uh, annuities might be 10% liquid in any given year. And where you know, if you want liquidity, put it all in a checking account. <laughs> it's very liquid. You won't get any return, but it's liquid, you know, so uh, maybe you don't want to do that. So again, and stocks are liquid, but maybe you don't want to take that kind of risk on, mm-hmm. and they're not secure. So again, it's, it's a mix and match thing. I, I go back to my analogy real quick on the tools. Wouldn't it be great if you had a hammer and a saw and a drill and a screwdriver and, mm-hmm. you know, all the different tools in your portfolio. Now you can kind of accomplish a lot of different things because of the mix. So if you're not needing, as you've said before, an emergency Bugatti, you've got to have that next week. Maybe liquidity is not something that uh, you need to worry about too much, but it is something that you do need to consider. How liquid is your money? How quickly can you get your hands on it if you should need it? The last one here, I think, is a very big one as a goal of an investment, and that is tax savings. Yeah, having your investments be tax smart, when to recognize and realize the, the gains. I mean, you, you had gains in certain things, but you know you need money. Do you pull up from your IRA? Do you pull up from your non-qualified accounts? Do you do a Roth conversion? How about a fixed index universal life? It could be estate tax planning. Do you fund a, a legacy policy outside of your state in a trust? I mean, there's a lot of things like get into here. I don't have time to do it today, but tax savings is a a huge area. I mean, if you're going to make good investments, why don't you make them tax smart too, so you can get the advantage of that. Have you found in your financial plans and dealing with clients over the years as you've had Madrona Financial Services that most people are not maximizing their tax savings? Oh, absolutely. I mean, er everything can be tweaked. And generally people coming in, it's not because they just had a great financial review with somebody else that knew all of these areas and they just implemented it and then they came to us. Okay, in that case, I'd say maybe there isn't a whole lot I could do for them. But generally, you know, everybody coming to us, maybe they haven't spent a lot of time recently or whoever they're getting advice from isn't, you know, tax savvy. They're not CPAs or they don't know a lot about business succession or trusts or advanced charitable gifting strategies or or DST, real estate or income tax planning. So we generally speaking, everybody that comes in, they come in for a reason that they need something we have. And generally speaking, everybody we we meet is going to get benefit from coming in and seeing us because we're going to have advice that they haven't maybe heard before. Well, recognizing attributes of different asset classes is extremely useful. I mean, stocks can offer growth potential and liquidity. Real estate offers growth and cash flow. Annuities can offer cash flow and security. FIULs, fixed index universal lives offer cash flow, security and tax savings. It indeed does take a village. If you want more information about the five goals of your investment, certainly contact Madrona Financial Services. Also, if you have $500,000 or more to invest, you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, contact Madrona Financial to get your complimentary, no-cost, no-obligation financial review. Call 844-MADRONA or request it online by visiting madronafinancial.com. Time for a break, Brian. We'll be right back with more of Growing Your Wealth after this. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And this segment, we're going to be talking about the accumulation phase of investments and the distribution phase. And Brian, I've often heard it called the go-go years, followed by the slow-go years, and finally the no-go years. Another way to view our financial life is to separate it really simply between the accumulation phase of our life and the distribution phase. Yeah, certainly in in broad strokes, the accumulation phase is when we're working. So when we're working, we're hopefully making more than we're spending and investing some of it for the future. 
And that future comes uh, essentially upon retirement when you're not working anymore. Now we have to rely on what we did during our lifetime while we were accumulating so that we can take distributions to fund our lifestyle. And the accumulation phase, that is a phase really when we can afford to take bigger risks, right? Generally speaking, yeah. I mean, there's no one answer for everybody listening because I, I don't know everybody listening right now. However, I would say generally speaking, uh, I would suspect that people would want to take more risk when they're younger because then if something goes haywire – uh, first off, you know, if something went haywire for me when I was young, uh, no big deal. I, I didn't have a lot of money anyway. So what the heck? You know, I, I can make that back. I can keep working. I'll keep going forward and I can take that chance. Whereas later in life, and here's the example. Let's say I put a thousand dollars into to something like egghead software back when I was 20 five years old and 10 years later it's worth zero mm-hmm. okay i lost thousand you know thousand dollars a hundred percent of my investment well if i do that same kind of analogy when i'm 70 years old with my, my retirement account that's worth a million dollars and i put it all into today's version of egghead software well that's a big mistake i, I don't want to be as aggressive <laughs> maybe in my retirement years as i was during my accumulation years because Maybe in my accumulation years, I had 2000 I put a grand into Egghead and I put a grand into Amazon or Microsoft. Well, I'd be pretty happy or Starbucks or Costco. I don't care. Pick mm-hmm. one. I, I wish I'd done that. I wish I had $1,000. I'd be a rich man today just from that. And so it's okay to take more risk when you're younger and because you can always make that money back. But boy, when you're retired, you don't want to take that. You'll have, definitely probably have a different risk profile. Yeah, that's exactly right. As I've said before, I mean, I call it the uh, superpower there. You had age on your side. So if you took investment risks early on and they didn't pan out, you did have some time to make those up. But in the distribution phase, when you're taking that money in later on in life, you don't have that particular option. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Another real life analogy. I remember as an adult, the Dow was 1000. And, you know, now it's quite a bit higher than that. And so we can just see what, what time, as you mentioned, time is the superpower, you know, what time did. And, you know, my parents paid $1,500 for a house once. I mean, you know, it's just time does a pretty amazing thing, some money sometimes uh, over time. So absolutely taking more risk because one of the biggest problems I've seen with a lot of investors is not taking enough risk. As surprising as that sounds, people that don't take risks. I had one person come to me and she was really beside herself because she was in her 60s and her friends were retiring. They'd all work at the same place. They'd all put the same amount of money in their 401k plans. They were retiring. They had maybe 750000 to a million dollars in their plans. And she had about about a hundred grand. And she couldn't understand why. And I said, well, have you changed your investments? She goes, no, I, I keep putting in every month just like them. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you're, you're in the money market account. She goes, yeah, I didn't want to lose any money. <laughs> I'm like, well, you've got 35 years of putting money into something that doesn't make anything. And so you get to retire with a little bit more than, you know, maybe you put in 80 grand over your, your years there. And it grew 20, and now you have 100. And your friends, you know, theirs is up uh, 15x, and they have a million. Just because you wouldn't take risk, you don't get to retire because she realized that's not enough to retire. And I'm like, that's right. You can't. And I, I can't, I don't have a time machine. I can't go back and fix this. I uh, wish I could have talked to you 20 years ago and had you take some risk in the market. Your, your life would be completely changed. So if you're listening and you, you or someone you know is in their 20s, 30s, 40s, please have them, somebody look at that portfolio they're invested in to make sure it at least has enough risk so that they can potentially uh, have a much better outcome uh, in their retirement years. 
Is that a common thing that you find, uh, Brian, with people who have those regrets like she has had here, that they basically just set it and forget it? They don't remember that they have to adjust these things as time goes on. Yeah, there's that. There's there's the two two things. It's the set it and forget it, which can be good. You know, if you set it right and you didn't monkey with it, you're probably doing great today. But there's also the fear factor. They listen to the radio. They, they listen to their friends. The market's going to crash. Oh, the politicians are going to ruin our country. The this this is going to happen. That's there's all these bad things happening in the world. I don't want to be invested. It's all coming down. Well, there's always bad things happening in the world. There's never been a time when people couldn't say, boy, there's a lot of risks out in the market. There's geopolitical risks. People aren't getting along. There's politicians I don't like. There's all these bad things happening out there. I'm like, yeah, always, 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 always. So, but investments just keep plugging along uh, as a general rule. So you kind of got to get rid of some of the noise sometimes and just look at, okay, is the stuff I'm investing in going to do well? Uh, Do I think it has a future? Uh, Do I think the world, you know, companies are going to continue to make profits? If so, might want to be invested. Brian, we've talked about the accumulation phase. Is it ever a problem that you are too aggressive in your distribution phase? Yeah, absolutely. It can be. As, As I mentioned earlier, uh, in that analogy, uh, the egghead software one, if I put all my eggs in a basket that wasn't the right basket, <laughs> had a hole in the bottom of it, and I'm at retirement age, it's like, well, I can't go back to work. I'm 70 years old. I'm, I'm not going to go back to work and build up my retirement account again. That's when you really need to stay focused on what your risk allocation is tremendously certainly as you approach and are in your retirement age. Although, uh, conversely, I had this conversation once. I learned a little something from one of my clients. Dear guy, he had very, very uh, wealthy guy, lots of money in the markets. And we were talking about uh, his allocation. I just reminded him he's 100% in the stock market. He's he's taking a lot of risk. But then he reminded me, he says, well, Brian, uh, here's here's what it is. I'm 97 years old. And he was. And he lived to be 100. And he says, I am not investing for myself. I'm not even investing for my kids because they're doing great. Uh, one's a doctor and, and et cetera. And I'm investing for charities and for uh, grandchildren at this point. I can't spend the money I have, so I don't need to be conservative whatsoever. I can take max risk because this is a multi-generational time frame. It's going into trust and so forth. I said, you know, that makes a ton of sense. You, you've come to a point where if you're not spending the money, you get to go back to investing like you were 30 years old again. Mm-hmm. He says, exactly. I said, oh, okay, that, you know, cause I'm, I was so wired to think, uh, as you get older, you got to be more conservative, but not always, you know, and, and certain people I've had, Again, if they have more money they're ever going to spend, it would kill them. I had this one client, again, 90 years old. It would kill him if I ever put him into anything that that wasn't max risk. He was he was in all the tech stocks, and, and he'd done so well with all of them, and of course. And, and uh, if I ever mentioned, oh, anything like a bond or an annuity or anything, he'd just about scream at me. Like, don't you dare put me into anything conservative ever. I'm like, yeah, okay, I won't. You know, so there are those occasions. But for the most part, um, most people don't have more money than they can spend in three lifetimes like these two had. And so that's where we have to be a little more careful about our risk tolerance. Brian, when it comes to the distribution of your money, when you take that money and you're probably going to be distributing money for 30 years or so, should you look at distributing that evenly over the 30 years or do you many times want to front load that, back load that? How do you figure out what to do? 
Yeah, that's where the tax planning comes into play. So we'll definitely uh, look at uh, what you have. And it's so important to have a distribution strategy that takes into account whether you're taking money from non-qualified accounts, qualified accounts, uh, maybe how much you should or should not do into Roth conversions. When you have a maybe a, a year that's not as good as other years, that's when you want to take uh, more from the, the taxable accounts to uh, level load your your income tax marginal brackets. So yeah, absolutely. All of this comes into play. I don't think that's done enough out there from what I've seen, but certainly it's something that we like to focus on here because I can always just send it down the hall and say, Stella, can you run this analysis for me and give me their, their what ifs and how much room I have in, in the 12% bracket given this this year uh, after they retired, et cetera, et cetera. And she'll come back and say, okay, here, here's how much room they have for Roth conversion, that's 12% bracket, et cetera, et cetera. So we can do some really good tax planning and, and know where the money should come from uh, relative to their marginal tax bracket. So when it comes to distribution, certainly uh, tax obligations are very, very important there. But in the beginning, let's say you retire at 65, you're in relatively good health, you're probably going to spend a lot more money than you are when you're 75 or 85. So in that circumstance, would you want to have more money coming out when you're in your go-go years so you could spend it versus those uh, slow-go years? Yeah, absolutely. That's another aspect of financial planning because a lot of people, they, they kind of have an even distribution plan for the rest of their life. Well, from what, I, what I've seen in the world is, uh, especially with men, once they're in their 80s, they don't spend a lot of money. Uh, other than healthcare, you know, they're not going to Nordstrom getting the latest fashion. They're not going on worldwide trips. They're not spending tons of money. They're a little more sedentary and so forth. And so I really like to provide more in people's 60s, their slow-go years, 70s, uh, certainly, than worrying about how much they have if they live to be you know, 95 years old. We want enough for health care, of course, or nursing home and all of that. we got to at least provide for that amount. But generally speaking, the, the spending uh, definitely drops. We're talking about the accumulation phase versus the distribution phase of your investments here on Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Once again, if you've got questions about that particular topic or any topic that we talked about on our show today, call 844-MADRONA, 844-MADRONA to ask your questions and possibly set up a consultation with one of the financial planners here for your no-cost, no-obligation financial review. If you have $500,000 or more, you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, you'd be well advised to call 844-MADRONA or request your review online at madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about important financial people in your world. And Brian, uh, certainly we know that a financial advisor is very important for someone in the financial world, but there are also lots of other people that we don't want to skip here. Who are some of the other important people in the financial world besides people such as you? Well, people you, you might be getting financial advice from certainly include financial advisors or stockbrokers. With the stockbroker side, that's the non-fiduciary part of the world, so broker-dealers, stockbroker. And then registered investment advisors would be the financial advisors that are fiduciaries. Amongst them, uh, some of them have a CFP designation or a, they're personal financial specialists where they're CPAs and advisors, that kind of thing. Uh, the next one would be uh, insurance licensed folks. They can put you into annuities or permanent life insurance, fixed index universal life, that kind of thing. 
Uh, another one being an estate planning attorney. Uh, so for legacy planning and, and trusts and so forth. Another area is banking. Uh, your banker, you know, they're good for uh, loans and they might try and sell fixed annuities to you or they might have their own trust department. Trust companies, if you need a trustee for uh, trusting your, your will or something of that nature. And so those are some of the, the areas. Of course, CPA uh, uh, is in there, too. And from the uh, surveys I've seen, uh, one of the most trusted areas is the CPA. And least trusted uh, is financial advisor and insurance mm. licensed people. So what's <laughs> funny is I'm licensed in all three. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm really trusted or really not trusted. A little bit of both. I don't know. But that, that was uh, kind of a funny thing uh, when I read that. Well, as an investor, you know, it's not only important to understand the motivation of your potential advisors, but also their qualifications. So how would you go about vetting people or determining the qualifications of the various disciplines that you've talked about? Yeah, that's that's tough because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And, and certainly and one of the reasons I just mentioned uh, to the least respected professions might be insurance and, and financial. Well, why should that be that way? Well, it's because there's a lot of bad apples in the industry. Uh, there's certainly people that are insurance licensed that, you know, they're a hammer and you're a nail and they're going to just hammer you until they sell you their product. And they're not licensed to sell something else. That's the only way they can get paid. So that's what their motivation is. If they're pushing too hard to sell you something like an annuity, you should probably go away. Use your common sense here. Why are you trying so hard to get me to agree with you? I, I don't think you're telling me the truth. You're not giving me two sides to the coin. You're not telling me the negatives. Uh, the uh, you know, you're just telling me how that's the best thing ever, and you'd be an idiot not to do. You know, that kind of hard sales thing you probably don't want to be involved in. Same with stock market. I I know that the biggest uh, advertiser out there. I hear story after story after story where gosh, I tried to download a guide from him. Now I got some guy calling me about every week, just begging every day of every week, you know, just begging me to move their money over to them. And I, said, I don't want to put all my money in the stock market, but they're just hard sell, hard sell, hard sell. So yeah, you probably don't want to go with someone like that because they're not, they're not diverse. They're, they're not going to bring in anybody else. You know, they won't bring in an annuity where it's appropriate. They won't bring in a CPA. They won't bring in a state planning or trust because they don't do any of that. They may say they do, but when it comes down to it, they don't. So it's important that you, uh, as you vet whoever your your team is or the people on your team, that they're working across the aisle because there are benefits to working with all of the areas that I mentioned, and very few people have uh, access to all of them. Well, I think virtually every investor needs the integration of multiple disciplines when uh, making important financial decisions. And, you know, I've heard of people, and I'm sure many people are listening to this program today, saying, well, I've got a CPA, I've got a real estate attorney, I've got an insurance person, and I really, really like these people. They're great people, but yet they're making an appointment to come to you. That's a great point there because I, I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting there listening to somebody tell me how awesome all these people are in their life. And then I remind them, well, you called our office, you made an appointment, got in your car, drove out here, sat down with me or, or spending time with me to tell me how awesome all the people are in your life that do what I do. <laughs> what am I missing here? <laughs> why why did you come here to tell me how awesome everybody is? And And then it comes out, well... They're awesome people. I really like them as people, 
but they're not, you know, maybe they heard me on the radio for a couple of years or whatever, and they say, they don't have the solutions you have. They're not quite at that level, and I want somebody at that level. And they're, okay, now we're getting somewhere. They can be great people and really good at what they do, but maybe they just don't have the integrated approach. You know, it's not that there's anything bad with that. It just, just is. And so I ha- we have a lot of people come to Madrona Financial that really like who they're working with, but they're coming for a reason. They listen to the show and they go, wow, I've never heard about so many of these concepts from the people in my world. And I really like the idea of integrating. I know they don't, uh, my stockbroker doesn't talk to my, doesn't even like insurance. The insurance guy doesn't like stocks. My real estate person doesn't like either of the other two. None of them talk to my CPA. My <laughs> estate planning attorney is too expensive for me to call. Every time I call him, I get a bill for $500. Right. You know, they, so you got this disconnect of, of people that, that, that have different motivations. And the, the story I like to tell is, you know, someone will come in and say, yeah, I, I tried to figure out what to do with my money. I, I, I went to my stockbroker. He said, put it all in stocks. And I, I didn't want to do that. And I went to a lunch seminar and this guy, I told me the stock market's terrible. You need to put all in annuities and be safe. I didn't want that. So I went to my realtor and he said, well, you got to buy some rental houses. I "I don't want rental houses. Went to my bank and they said, you need a CD. I said, well, CDs don't pay anything. And so then I finally went to my most trusted advisor, my CPA, and and said uh, uh, all these things. He said, well, don't do any of those. I said, great. What should I do? And the CPA said, well, I can't tell you. I'm not licensed. Hmm. So here you are stuck. The the one you trust uh, can't give you advice, and everybody else says, buy the stuff that pays me. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to know what their motivation is. Follow the money. Mm-hmm. I'll have people, I read this article, market's going to crash. Hey, who wrote it? Uh, let me look. Oh, someone from the gold exchange. Yeah, right, yeah no right. kidding. Sure. <laughs> They've been saying the market's going to crash for 50 years <laughs> because that's how they sell stuff. And the next article said the same thing. Who, who wrote that? Uh, ABC Insurance. And well, okay. Yeah. They, they get paid by selling safe money. So, you know, follow the money. That's, that's, it's really important to do that. And it's, I, I feel bad for people trying to find the right mix because it's just really hard to find. Yeah. You've really got to understand the motivations of the people. People that you're dealing with. And as you said, I mean, if you sell nails, uh, you know, everybody needs a nail. So it's really important, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think I'm right on this, to find someone who has all of these disciplines under one roof and is really not beholden to any one particular one. That's right. If they can offer all of them, they can truly be a fiduciary. And I, I've written an article on this uh, in Kiplinger where I said, when is a fiduciary truly acting as a fiduciary? Because you might have that title, but I know a fiduciary advisor who, you know, on the ads say, we're your full service advisor. And they go on and on and on. And when it comes down to it, they sell $40 million a year a one particular annuity from one particular company. That's it. How in the world are you after my client's best interests before you've met them? You know they need all of their money in the ABC annuity from you know XYZ company. Well, that's ridiculous. You are not a, acting as, in a fiduciary capacity in real real terms. And so uh, I love the fact that I can be agnostic. When someone comes in, they have money, I can say, 
I don't care where you put it. You can put it in a DSTs or or REITs or stock market or you know if you wanted bonds or annuities, fixed index, universal life. I don't care. And it, or if you like what it's in, keep it. I'm I'm managing a lot. We're managing lots of money here. We're fine either way. Keep what you like and not what you don't like, and let's put a plan together. We can be at Madrona totally agnostic to that, which I love, and we will tell people when they shouldn't move money to us. We turn away a lot of. Uh, potential clients for that reason because they don't need to move. They're fine with what they have. So when someone gets a financial review from you, if they're doing okay, you will say to them, I think you're doing fine just the way you are. You don't really need us. That's right. I mean, I had a long-term client. They they had this uh, commercial building that is leased out, and they said, "Well, you know, we're we're eighty years old now. We need to sell it because uh, you know we heard about the DSTs, right?" I said, "Well, tell me about it." And it was a, a national firm with a triple net lease mm-hmm. and a six and a half percent return, which you can't get when you're buying a new building. The cap rate was great. Uh, there's no no worries. The, the tenant pays all the repairs. They just cash a check. Every month, easy, easy. I said, "Why would you sell that?" Well, uh, we're getting that age; we're supposed to sell. I mean, no, keep it. That's easy. You're getting to, uh, way better cash flow than I get in the market right now. Just keep it. And so I talked them out. They they called me to do a DST, a, a couple million dollar one, and I I told them, "No, let's not do that. It's not in your best interest." So that's an example of somebody who's acting in fiduciary capacity to say, "Don't move money to me." And I, you know, that cost me money. I can't invest that money. Mm-hmm. But but I did the right thing. So I certainly sleep uh, pretty well at night. So Madrona Financial is a true fiduciary. You're really looking out for your client's best interest there. And uh, as you said, I mean, you will tell people if they're just fine the way they are. When someone gets that financial review, what you're saying is that you review what's going on with them to decide whether or not a plan is appropriate. But when you give that review back to someone, do you have people who follow up every day, every week, every month just to see if they looked at it? Sorry, I had a chuckle there. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, and much of my industry is just why they're pretty low on the respected industries list. Yeah. Car salesmen, uh, timeshare, uh, financial advisor, insurance salespeople, they're, they're kind of in the same place down there. Uh, and one of the reasons is there's a lot of bad actors and they're just about making the sale and they're going to hammer you and they're going to keep calling you and pressuring you. And I can't believe you haven't moved your money and all this stuff. You know, we've all been into a timeshare, and maybe it's not that bad, but sometimes it can feel like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they're pestering you, uh, definitely don't say, just tell them no, first off, because that's ridiculous. No, we will not be calling you every day. We are not desperate for new clients. We want to help those people that want us. I do not, you know, when we when I meet somebody new or any of the Madrona advisors meet somebody new, uh, it's it's a two-way interview. We're interviewing them to see if they would they're a good fit for us, whether they need us, whether we can help them, and we want to work with them, and vice versa. And so we're both interviewing each other. We don't accept every client that wants to be a client of ours, and 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 certainly because uh, we we sometimes tell when it's not going to be a good fit. The the guy that came to me is I need at least twenty percent a year every year. I'm like, well, that's not a good fit. I can't I can't promise you that. Uh, let's go away. Uh, so um, yeah, so we we uh, certainly will not be calling people every day. Again, we want people to come to us because they want what we have and what we can offer, which is the integrated approach. 
So if you're looking to get the Madrona experience, and that is not being hard sold, but just given the information that you need to make a good decision, call 844-MADRONA and request your financial review. It's not going to cost you anything if you've got at least $500,000 to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, or maybe you do not have a financial advisor contact Madrona Financial. No cost, no obligation. It is complimentary. Call 844-MADRONA or you can request your complimentary review online at madronafinancial.com. Out of time for this week, Brian. Thank you so much for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out there, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.